0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Landon Donovan, the new head coach of San Diego Loyal. A quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Onward! Hey there, Grant Wall, with our guest this week, Landon Donovan. Needs no introduction. Landon, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Grant.
1: Um, lots to talk about. We're recording this on Saturday in Seattle. have the MLS final. We're coming out on Thursday. And you've got some news, which is that you're going to become the head coach of the San Diego USL team that starts play next year, which is exciting. Congratulations.
0: Um, Thank you. I think you had the news there, not me.
1: Uh, and <laughs> why do you want to do this?
0: Um, good question. <laughs> Blunt <laughs> question. Um, so d- towards the end of my career, I was pretty adamant that I didn't want to coach, actually. Um, I thought the idea of dealing with the egos of... M- 25 men in their 20s and 30s was <laughs> not a good idea. Um, what happened over the last few years? I think cha- um, having children changed it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, yeah, more three kids than now. I have three kids, yeah, and more than the coaching or the managing. Um, I come from a background of teachers, mm-hmm. and I think that appeals to me. And so I thought about it a lot when I had the opportunity to make that a reality, uh, in other places, uh, I didn't want to move my family. I'd Mm -hmm. done enough of moving and, and doing those things in my, in my playing career, but to have the opportunity to do it in San Diego, I thought this was the right time to, to step in and start that process.
1: And just to give listeners some background here, if they don't already know, like you've been Pushing for a, a new soccer team in San Diego. At one point, the idea was MLS. Now it's, it's USL. Are you part of the ownership group? I am. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I'm part of the San Diego Loyal ownership group. Um, when the conversation first happened with Warren Smith, who's our president and founder, we talked a lot about, one, what's best for the club. Two, what would I be best at, right? What role would I best fill? And as I sat with it for a few days, and even probably a week or so, I, came, I, I kept coming back to this is the opportunity for me to, to begin my, my, co- my coaching career. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to try. Um, now, the, the issue is, of course, I have no experience. Never done it before. It's a big risk, right, with a new club. Um, but I'm confident in my abilities. And the, the key, I think, for anybody in a leadership role that I've learned throughout the years is having good people around you. Mm -hmm. And so having the ability to have good people around me is going to help a lot.
1: Who is going to be part of that staff?
0: So, so far, um, it, it started with sort of three people. Um, one is Shannon McMillan who lives in San Diego, former national team star needs no introduction. Um, she's helping in a lot of different ways, but she's just someone that's good to pick her brain Mm -hmm. and She's been successful. Uh, the second is Paul Buckle, who worked with Warren Smith at Sacramento Republic and is moved in sort of um, an advisory consultancy role, and he's been really helpful in talking through and helping me understand what I want in staff members, what I want in support staff, what do I want the team to look like. Um, very helpful in all those ways. And then the third is a woman named Carrie Taylor, who was a big part of the Soccer City project, um, that we tried to bring Major League Soccer to, to San Diego and I've just gotten to know her very well and very and we've gotten very close over the years. Um, really smart soccer brain, been in soccer her whole life and when the opportunity was there to start building my staff, she was someone I wanted on as an assistant coach so she'll be one of our assistant coaches.
1: And that's something that I need to do all the research but is is either unprecedented in American men's pro soccer to have a woman who's part of the coaching staff or, um, or it's very rare. Uh, was that something that you expressly wanted to to do with here? I wanted to, I
0: I wanted to give people, the opportunity that they might not otherwise have. Right. So we can, and maybe we will for our other assistant coach go after somebody who is established and well-known to help. Right. Cause I need help. This is the first time I've done this. Um, it's the first time Carrie's done this at this level. Carrie's coached men and women in college, but never at the professional level. But the, the overwhelming thing for me was Warren is giving me a chance. Mm-hmm. Right. To to start my coaching career. And I'm very grateful for that and appreciative. And I want to do the same. So I want to have the ability to bring people in who might not get that opportunity. I want to bring players in who haven't had an opportunity yet to shine and show themselves and help them develop and get better. People need chances. Right. And so uh, I can't tell you why I'm so passionate about that, but I really am passionate about that.
1: OK. Um, And. It's interesting, like, other pro sports in America have already sort of broken that barrier and had women as as coaches on the staff, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL. And I also am reminded sometimes, like, U.S. soccer will post these photographs of a license or pro license graduating classes sort of without the realizing, oh, wait, it's all dudes. (laughs) Like and yeah. And often, all white guys, yeah um and is this how you go about, how we go about as a soccer nation, finally starting to correct some of this stuff
0: so um maybe in the end, grant it comes down to and I went through this process a lot in in identifying Carrie, who i was was right in front of me, what I realized is there's lack of opportunity, right? So it's not lack of knowledge or know how or passion or willingness or capability. It's lack of opportunity. And so when I, I I talked to my wife and I said, what do you think about us hiring a a female assistant? And she said, well, are there any who are qualified? Are there any who do it now? And I said, there are many who are probably qualified, but not any who are doing it now. And The problem is, is they don't have the opportunity, right? So someone will take a chance on a 28-year-old former USL player or college player and give them an opportunity to come in and be a second assistant and let them grow. Why wouldn't you do that for a female or a minority or somebody else? Now, you don't do it just for that. Carrie is qualified for the job in every way. She just happens to be female. So to me, it's not a big deal. I know it will be a big deal outwardly but she's qualified and she helps me in so many ways to make my job easier. Right. And that's what an assistant coach should do. So she's qualified. She just happens to be female, but it's also nice that she is getting the opportunity. And I hope that others will at least consider that. And and by the way, it, as we talk about our players, right? I think about me in a coaching or management role there's so much value to having a voice and an opinion that's different than yours, yeah. right? And any way we slice it, the female viewpoint is much different than the male viewpoint in a lot of ways, right? If someone comes from Mexico, they're much, they have a different viewpoint than us in America or someone from Sweden or from Africa. It's valuable to have those viewpoints because sometimes we don't see things the same way. A, long, a lot of times, I run things by my wife about soccer. She knows nothing about soccer. And she'll give me a vantage point that I hadn't even thought of because I'm so in the weeds, and it's so valuable. So having those different viewpoints and opinions is really important.
1: This is kind of a side thing, but like Jill Ellis, um, should an M- do you think an MLS team should pursue her? Like, What do you think her why next wouldn't, step why wouldn't they? should be?
0: Why wouldn't they? I'd love to have Jill Ellis. <laughs> if you're listening, Jill, come. <laughs> I mean, she knows yeah. what she's doing. right? I watched a commencement speech she gave. Um, online and it's just so powerful right it's so powerful and she gets it she's qualified but she was given a chance right at some point she was given a chance now i don't know if she wants to coach men maybe maybe not but yeah why wouldn't she why is she more qualified than someone else so or why why is she less qualified than someone else Sorry.
1: yeah yeah i in terms of just logistics of of What happens between now and when you guys start playing in 2020 as a team?
0: Yeah, thanks for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of headaches is
1: what it is. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, from my side, I mean, obviously there's the club side and the organization side. But from my side, it's identifying and signing players, which we've done. Majority of our roster has been agreed. Um, Finding places to train, where our players are going to live, what their daily living situation is going to look like and then once the schedule comes out in December it's starting to plan and understand what that looks like preparing preseason there's a lot um, having an invite-only tryout and then having open tryouts those kind of things where you can hopefully identify players so a lot of a lot of work goes into the next few months
1: and the name is San Diego Loyal mm-hmm is that been announced I should know this
0: yeah you should know that yeah. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. But that's all right, Grant. I know you got a lot going on.
1: What what was the what was the thinking behind that?
0: So Warren is very particular, Warren Smith, our president, mm-hmm. in giving the people what they want in a club. Mm-hmm. He it's what he did with Sacramento, and it's why all of a sudden Sacramento Republic was one of the the biggest names in US soccer, period. Forget what league they were in. He understood that if you connect with the people and help bring their ideas and their passion and their love for that city to life, that they will support you. And so we had 12 listening sessions with probably 500 different San Diegans from every Walk of Life artist, Mexican-American, the soccer fan, the soccer family, the military, and over and over... The one phrase came came up every time. Just be loyal to us and loyal to San Diego. That's what we want. We we've had twenty eight different iterations of teams coming and leaving San Diego. We're sick of it. We don't want another team that comes and then goes to LA or comes and leaves or comes and goes bankrupt or just be loyal to us. And finally we kind of looked around and said, Well, that's kind of a cool name. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we uh why wouldn't we name it San Diego Loyal? And in that you can't take San Diego loyal anywhere else cause it can't be LA loyal cause it's San Diego. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it kind of, it, it also, it, it it also tells our fans that we're here to stay. And I think that's really important.
1: So who's your mascot? Is it like a boy scout or something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. A dog. Okay. There you go. Okay. You can have a dog, right?
1: Fair. Fair. We don't have
0: a mascot, but you never know.
1: That's a good idea. Um, so what happens if if your team goes through a rough stretch next year, does owner Landon Donovan put any heat I fire on, myself. on Coach Landon Donovan?
0: <laughs> no, so so this is so in some ways you might say, yeah, that's an awkward situation, right? But actually for me, I am above all else wanting what's best for the club. Right. Right. As an owner, as an executive VP of soccer. I want what's best for the club. I realize this is risky in some ways, right? Um having me as as a coach. It's also risky having me in in as an executive VP of soccer for a new club, right? That's a very risky thing to do. Again, I'm confident in myself and I and I think we will be successful. However, if it's not going well, I have enough awareness I can put my ego to the side if it's not best for the club I don't want to do it it's not right and more than that um, it's also about the city and the community and the fans right if that's not good for them and we're struggling on the field then I shouldn't be part of it right and that's I'm totally fine I'm saying that publicly here right mm. so I'm totally fine
1: with that it's interesting because most USL coaches head coaches have aspirations of, of coaching in a first division somewhere, whether it's MLS or wherever, this seems like it, you might be an exception mm-hmm. that's to a that. G- good question. Or are you?
0: No, it's a good question. So I don't have aspirations of that. Um, if that happens, if I get into it and I love it and I'm good at it, and that happens somewhere down the road, that's fine. I'm open to that, but I truly want to do what's, best for the club for the fans and then also for our players i mean honestly the beauty of having someone who's in ownership but also coaching the team is i see the big picture too and i, I care about the big picture it's not like i'm 100 focused on saturday next saturday next saturday and trying to keep my job i'm also focused in are we developing players are we doing what's right for the brand are we doing what's right for the community and sometimes that means playing a different player and giving someone a rest because it's the right thing to do for the player. Whereas other play, other coaches might say, no, I got to win this Saturday. Mm-hmm. I see the big picture, right? So I'm, I'm okay with that. And this is an expansion team. It's going to be a process. It's not going to be perfect. You know, if we make the playoffs, it's not a miracle, but it's great. Right. I mean, that's, that's a good goal for us to have. I'm not worried about, the absolute day-to-day not going well or the absolute week-to-week we're gonna have a lot of learning curve and that's okay I'm, I'm okay with that I know I will get better and I know we will improve but I'm also confident that we're gonna do very well
1: what's your opinion on coaching licenses because soccer is mm-hmm. different from like other sports where you have these licenses and there's you know they're required in some countries like and I don't even know do you have one
0: i um, so I'm currently taking my B license I will get it uh, hopefully uh, in December okay and then I will begin the process of taking my A license in January okay um so my opinion is this if you I'm going to use a weird analogy but you go to school for four years or six years or eight years to become qualified to do what you do so why wouldn't you have to do that in soccer and on a bigger scale, and this is a different conversation, but why do we not prepare in that way to have children, right? Why wouldn't you take classes and read and learn about how to parent? And I mean, a lot of people just get pregnant, have kids, and that's it, right? And it's always been strange to me. Like, why wouldn't we prepare for that? That's a that's the biggest thing we're going to do in our world. So anyway, back to coaching. I digress. Back to coaching. Um, The only challenge i've had so far with the b license is that the b license is geared towards youth soccer right so it's not relevant to what i will be doing it's still very helpful for me and it's been a lot of learning for me but a lot of it then ends up being you know how do you deal with parents or how do you, and that's not something that i will deal with so
1: that's ridiculous that you actually have to deal with that i would think just my opinion but to do the
0: licensing
1: Um, that you're having to deal with the part about dealing with parents. My, my feeling is if you're like in the soccer hall of fame, you should probably be able to just go straight into the pro license.
0: Well, yeah. But how many successful players in any sport have failed as coaches? There've been quite a few. And I think if you have that mentality that it's just like, ah, I played the game. I know the game. It's, it is totally different. I would just prefer in all honesty, it'd be nice if they had a B youth and Mm. a B pro. Yeah. Right. So you can actually just, and maybe U S soccer will do that. They have an a pro and an a youth, Mm. but at this point it's sort of learning the basics, which is good for me because Mm. I don't have that. Uh, And then eventually with the a, you can get more into the the real nuts and
1: bolts. Okay. Um, Speaking of U S soccer, you know, this podcast is coming out on Thursday on Friday. The U S has, what ordinarily wouldn't be viewed as a big game against Canada and Nations League, but suddenly <laughs> the stakes are a lot higher because yeah. the U.S. lost to Canada last month for the first time in 35 years. Uh, Greg Burhalter's under some heat, has even come out with an apology to the U.S. American Outlaws fans. Um, and has even characterized this as a must-win game, as has U.S. soccer, which sort of brings up, oh, must-win or what, as as if Greg Mm. Berhalter's job might even be on the line. Um, Obviously a bad loss at at Canada. What are your thoughts on on where the team is right now?
0: My thoughts are as follows. We're in a results-based business, but I, I think it's okay to lose games. How you w- how you lose matters, right? And so, what I've seen a few times in the last probably four or five games from the U.S. is really ugly performances from the U.S. Um, eventually, it was going to happen that we're going to lose to Canada, right? Canada's getting they're better. Bad. They're they're not bad. They're getting better and better. They played very well. I got to give them credit. Uh, the problem is how they lost, and this I I see two sides of it. I understand completely, and having spent a few days in camp with the national team last summer, I understand what Greg and the coaching staff are trying to achieve from a tactical standpoint. I totally get it. That's going to take time, and I do think that will come to fruition. My problem is is when I watch the Canada game, for example, I don't see them competing. Uh, I don't want to say they don't care, but sometimes it looks like they're not that worried if they lose and this is your national team I mean it hurt bad every time we lost right I mean and it should it should matter to you and I didn't get that sense and that part bothers me because you can do the tactical piece you can be good technically but if you can't compete and really get after it for your national team that's a problem and I don't know if that's a coaching staff issue I don't know if it's the players I mean the players at some point got a they got to do it, right? I mean, it's their job. So that's the part that I think bothers me. So if that doesn't change, that's concerning,
1: I think. I, I think we're seeing individual American players doing quite well at club level. Pulisic, obviously, is on a really good run of form for Chelsea right now. Um, you know, other players. Um, McKenney's having a pretty good season at Schalke. Um, You know, like... I guess one question that I have for just from watching this team is the best U.S. teams, in my opinion, have always been hard to play against. Yep. Now, there may have been varying degrees of, of skilled players, but um, the best teams had some of those guys, but also, to a man, that those teams were hard to play against. I don't see this, these U.S. teams, and this has been for a few years now. I think this started under the latter half of Klinsman and has continued... They just aren't as hard to play against.
0: Yeah, you said it. That's the perfect phrase, right? Uh, I had a coach who passed away, uh, Meyernik, and he used to say before every game, be hard to play against. And if you really take that phrase to its core, there's a lot in there, a lot packed in there, but you don't want the other guy coming off the field going, that was an easy game, right? And I think Canada came off the field going, jeez, that was easier than we thought it'd be, right? And so... That's a great, it's a great point and a great phrase.
1: Is it possible, it just seems like it should be possible for the U.S. to both, they they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Agreed, agreed. To be, to have that mentality, but also play good soccer.
0: So there have been some games in the past, you know, however many, where you say, okay, they didn't get it perfect tactically, they weren't good passing out of the back, they made some mistakes, whatever, but like they competed. They, it was a hard game for the other team, and that's fine. I think fans are fine with that. As former players, we're fine with that. We know you're not going to win every game. You're not going to be perfect, but you got to compete. And I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's a, gen, a generational thing. I don't know if guys have too much fame and money and feel like they've made it too early. Uh, I just don't see that real grit from a lot of these players, and I. I I don't know how you create that. You know, it's, sometimes it's, what did you grow up in? What are you, you know, when you step on the field, what's inside you that motivates you? Because if you don't have that, it's hard to, you know, the money's not going to motivate guys at this stage of their, their career. They're all making a lot of money. Um, so what is it inside you that says, I don't want to lose to Canada 2-0. Like, this hurts me, and I'm going to do something about it, and, and I don't see a lot of that right now.
1: Do do you have, like, a, a relationship with any of the guys on the current team? Yeah. yeah. With some of them, yeah. Any of the, like, which ones? Well, obviously curious? the older
0: guys. Yeah. Because I'm old, Grant.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah. I'm
1: wondering, like, some of the younger guys, like like Polisic, McKinney, Tyler Adams, those guys, I mean, mm-hmm. they're in their early 20s.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have close relationships mm-hmm. with those guys. In fairness to those three that you just mentioned, I think they do bring it. I think they bring it every time they're on the field. Christian certainly does. Weston I think does. Tyler absolutely does. Um, Some of the other guys I haven't seen as much of that from. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a little worrisome. Um, Some of the guys I get the sense that they almost don't, can't believe that they're there. Like Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm playing for my national team. And they don't always play that tentatively with their club teams, but for some reason around the national team, you see that a little bit, and, and I'd mm-hmm. like to see that change.
1: I mean, this is stuff that, this is good analysis here. You've done television work. Is there any chance you could still do that on the side while you're a full-time head coach?
0: Uh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. I got enough to worry about as a coach. <laughs> but I guess, I mean, other coaches I think have done it from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Cool. Um, Are
0: you trying to talk me out of being a coach? Uh, <laughs> I am not. I am My wife coach. is.
1: <laughs> but in terms of anything else uh, going on in your life these days, you're a father of three, you're living in San Diego. What's up?
0: I'm uh, pretty much an idiot why would you take on a job like this when you got three <laughs> little kids at home, which is a full-time job times three, um, bless my wife's heart who is so supportive and says, you can go chase this dream of yours to, to be a coach. Um, and does so much work at home to make sure our family is, is beautiful and growing and happy. I'm, I'm uh, very fortunate and I'm, and I'm happy. I'm really enjoying this process been a lot of fun but the reality is is i'll be judged on you know march through november of next year and so uh, there's pressure that comes with that but it's exciting too
1: and i I feel like i should ask this question just in case uh is there a a number 10 jersey with your last name on it that you might uh, there is a number 10
0: jersey with my last name it's uh it's in my closet (laughs) and it's staying there
1: (laughs) Just thought I would ask there. Uh, Landon Donovan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Good luck.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Grant.
1: Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Landon Donovan as well as producer Harry Swartout and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.